The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan on News Talk. I'm delighted to be joined on the show now by Tova Friedman. She's currently in the UK helping to promote her book, The Daughter of Auschwitz, her account of being a survivor uh, of the infamous concentration camp. She was five, six years old when she was sent there. Tova, you're very welcome to the programme and thank you very much for thank joining you. me. Um, if you don't mind, you know, I'd like to dive right in by going back to that point in your life. And okay. I know I know a lot of people might suggest, you know, that, you know, kids' memories are either don't exist or they're unreliable that early. But what are your memories? Well, you know, my memories are very reliable. At least those I remember. I'm sure lots of things happen that I don't remember and I never, of course, I can't talk about it. But I was lucky that I had my mother with me a lot and until maybe the last four or five months so that she verified what I saw. And I just happened to have a very good memory. And these events were very dramatic, you know, so you could not not remember them. What, what age were you when you realized you were living through extraordinary times? I always knew it. I didn't realize anything. I was a year old when the war, when I got into a ghetto. You don't realize it. I, when you're living through something, you don't think it's extraordinary. Mm. It's only when you look back. I thought that's the way life is since that's all I knew. You know, I didn't have like kindergarten or regular life, normal living, and then all of a sudden the war started. It wasn't like that. Uh, the war broke out a year uh, after I was born, exactly this, that week. So my birthday is September 1st, uh, 7, and the war broke out September 1st, and I was exactly a year old. And from then on, till the age of six and a half, I went through the war thinking that that's, a, that's the way people live. What was life then like in the ghetto? How did people live? Well, uh, it was extraordinarily um, dangerous in a way because the first thing the Germans did when they came in, when they made a ghetto, because it wasn't a ghetto before, right? It was just a regular city, uh, maybe 40, 45,000 people. It wasn't a small town. And... Um, they put all the Jews into one section and they did something to to make sure that we couldn't come out uh, without permission or, or we would be killed or had penalty. <clears throat> and then they proceeded to get rid of all the elderly. The first thing they did was they they really killed, murdered the elderly people because they were useless to them. And then came the children. I mean, this mighty German army got rid of the weakest people that they were going to conquer and destroy eventually. And they tried to leave only those who will be helpful in the war, who could work and help them in the war machine. Elderly and children were useless. So that's what I remember 
the constant shooting and uh, this disappearing of people and, uh, you know, hiding. I had to be under a table for two reasons. For the space, there was very little space and because uh, it was dangerous, really, for kids to be seen. Can you and, remember how you felt about those things? I mean, because I appreciate what you say that, you know, if that's your only reality and you don't know any different, you, you, you come to accept it. Right, um, exactly. But but then are, are you terrified then by, by these shootings, by people being disappeared? Or do you become yeah, a little bit well, inured yeah. to it? I, I knew that I, I, that I had to be uh, safe. I had to be under the table and not come out unless it was safe to come out. I knew I knew that. And I knew that I, I slept there and I ate. And, um, and outside, I remember when they took my grandmother and she was shot outside because they, were, they just took all the elderly people. And I remember when my, my, my father's parents, his... Uh, uh, they he came into the house and he said, "I just put them on the truck." That meant that he put them on a truck where they were taken all the elderly, as many as they could get, and they were going to be shot and 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 put into um, communal graves. They had these gig- long communal graves. I remember that very well, but it was a it was a style of living. Mm. The, uh, your, your parents were obviously earmarked as being, you know, valuable to the Third Reich in terms of labor, uh, because right. you, you exactly. all got shipped off to a labor camp then ultimately. Right, exactly. Yep, yeah, they were just the right age, so somehow I made it through the ghetto when most kids did not and they ship us off to a labor camp and there that's what and then there they worked 24 I mean they worked all the time they're very early in the morning they get up very early like in dawn and and then come back very late at night and the kids were outside on their own what whatever kids were left because you see the labor camp had brought people from all different other ghettos. Uh, only the able-bodied people who could work mm. in, in, the, in their factories. And lucky that my parents could do that. And that's how we stayed. You know, the whole point was to stay alive another day and another day and another day. Each day you thought eventually because there was always hope that this will end. So if you can make every day, you can stay alive, you have a chance. So because there were such good workers, we knew that we were safe for a while. Well, you, you said there about the other kids, there was other kids, the kids of these workers. Right. Did you play together? What did you play? Yeah, yeah, we were street urchins. <laughs> we 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 were just playing all kinds of wild 
and 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 uh, aggressive games, you know. I was there weren't too many girls. I was one of I don't remember any other girls. In fact, the most they were boys, and they were um, the boys played as if they were the Germans. You kids very often uh, identify with the aggressor. So the boys identified it. I was the Jew. I was the smaller one and a girl. So they would run after me with sticks, playing that I am, they're going to get me. And I'd run away. But but I prefer being with them than to be by myself. It was very frightening to be in, my, in, in a barrack by myself mm-hmm. with my parents gone. We, we, but one thing we did, we were starving. Do remember that we were scrounging, looking around if there was food anywhere, but there was just no food. Except that since our parents, at the, my parents were good workers, my um, the they would get some extra food as factory workers at the factory because they needed them to get to have strength because they were helping with the war machine. It was an ammunition factory. So my my parents would bring me something extra to eat when they got home at night from what they got at the factory. I understand, though, Tova, that not all of those kids that you were playing with survived that labor camp. Is that exactly right? Exactly right. I don't even know who did. I guess we all went to Auschwitz. That camp was slayed for Auschwitz. I've never seen the kids again. I don't. I have no idea. And uh, when we got to Auschwitz, on that tray, on the cattle car, there were two kids, myself and another girl, but I never saw her in camp. You know, camp was very large. Mm. Maybe she was afraid to be on the street. But, uh, but after the war, she told me, oh, I read also that she was on that same tray, the cattle car. I was the youngest child on that cattle car. And there were just two of us out of hundreds and hundreds of women and men because men were in the same cattle car, uh, in the same train, but in different cattle cars. They separated us. That was the first time they separate families. And I was with my mother and my father went with the men in, in, in the men cattle car. But we arrived, of course, the same time to Auschwitz, because we were on the same train. What What did you know, or what did your parents know about Auschwitz, Birkenau, but before you got there? Did you think it was just another labor camp? Oh no, 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 no! It was. We all knew it was a death camp. We all knew, and we all knew that nobody came back from there. I mean, my parents knew more than I did. Because I, I I knew, but I'm not sure I understood it exactly, mm. what death was, you know. But we knew that there were names like Auschwitz, Treblinka, Majdanek. People didn't come back from there. So um, this is why when my parents parted, my father was crying. Because we knew, he knew that he may, we may never see each other again. It was a, it was sort of, you know, it's interesting. They tried to keep things quiet, 
but people knew what was going on. Yeah, because that's often, isn't it, the refrain you hear is that, you know, the ordinary German might not have known this was happening. I mean, if you if if you oh, and your parents no. knew if you and your parents knew about it and you were in a, a, a Nazi controlled labor camp, surely the guy walking down the main street in Hamburg knew Everybody about it. Everybody in Germany knew about it. Everybody. But it was convenient for them not to know. Because if they knew, they wouldn't follow Hitler. And that's the the question I've been asking all these years, I could have such a cultured people, you know, people who loved music and art, how could they have followed a madman like that and got along? I don't know if you ever watched when Hitler spoke, millions, millions, you know, at the end of every speech that was this gigantic chorus of high Hitler. Mm. It was like they knew and they followed such a mentally ill person. That's what I cannot understand to this day. I wish somebody would help me understand that. Can you talk me through your experience then, Tora, of the of your final days in Auschwitz uh, as the Soviets began to approach? What what yes. what, what you experienced? Well, I, I didn't know. I knew that something was happening because the security wasn't so tight anymore. People, the Germans were, you, you could see, you, you, you could hear them screaming and shooting and, and yelling to the point where, like, my mother could come in to my barrack, uh, which she couldn't have done before. It would, it would have meant death. Had she left her barrack and tried to sneak into mine, she would have been killed immediately. But somehow she did make it because the security wasn't so strong anymore. And that's how she got me out, out of the barrack, the last few days before the Allies came and before they forced everybody to leave the camp and, and march. You know, the 50,000 people were forced to march out of the camp and on foot to go to Germany because they didn't want to leave um, any witnesses, which is crazy because the camp was full of witnesses. Lots of people, they couldn't get everybody to walk. In the, in the winter with hardly any shoes and without clothing and without food. 95% of the people died on, the, on, on that trip. And that's why we refer to it as death, as the death march now. So we knew that something was happening because the security wasn't so strong. The Soviets ultimately arrived. The Nazis are gone. Are are you immediately free? I know there's lots of people listening to this, and I suppose what they're imagining are are not kind of real scenes, but scenes they've seen in movies or TV shows. Uh-huh. They're imagining yes. kind of these emaciated people, you know, right. kind of gathered around 
you know, a, a kind right, of razor the wires, wire. Right. Yeah, I mean, is is that reality? Is that is that how it absolutely, happened? absolutely? There were, you know, even after liberation, a lot of people were still dying because you couldn't stop the starvation. Hundreds and hundreds of people died after liberation for many reasons. It was a terrible time, and the Soviets themselves were shocked at it. And it's it's kind of remarkable, listening to you, Tova, to know that part of the reason that I'm speaking to you, and part of the reason that people maybe are aware of you already, and that they they maybe watch your videos on TikTok, is that <laughs> is yeah. that you know is that despite everything you've just said, there are kind of not necessarily a generation of people. That's probably unfair. It's it's too too sweeping. But there are a certain amount of people for whom the Holocaust is kind of fading into the distance. Oh, a lot. You you were right the first time. A lot of pe- a whole generation of people. They, they, they don't believe it, they don't know, they don't care. They don't realize really what the effect that hatred has and prejudice. And, and the TikTok that my grandson Aaron made, it's just a fabulous thing because like 50 million people know something more about it now, young people. So you're right, it's, it is fading. And it's very scary to me because I don't know who said it, but to forget means to repeat. And that's the last thing in the world we need, although there is so much hatred right now. Mm. It's terrible. Yeah, do you, do you really feel, because, you know, that, that's another thing, another um uh, one of the, as was that the perceived wisdoms of, of, of 2022 is that maybe we are kind of slipping backwards in time and repeating the mistakes of the past. Uh, yet w- when you make that comparison, some people accuse you of hyperbole. Say, look, this is nothing like kind of 1920s, 30s Europe. You know, we we are not going in that direction and society is not going in that direction. Do, do I you hope worry? you're right. Do I you... hope you're right. I don't know where it's going. It's going somewhere because, because you know... Uh, What's happening in Ukraine, kids are again orphans and scared and lost their homes. Refugees are wandering this earth, not knowing where to settle or where to go. I mean, we we don't have the gas chambers, and I hope we never will, but we're certainly, the globe at this moment is not friendly to the human being. We're not friendly to each other. Well, Tova, it has been a real eye-opener to speak to you, I think, and, and for a lot of people possibly to listen to you as well. And Thank you. It has been a, a great pleasure. Thank you so much for joining us on the show. Well, and we you wish know, you the best of luck. Thank you. It's a programs like you that make you, us more aware. And I want to thank you for doing it. No, thank you, Tova. And and the name of the book is The Daughter of Auschwitz. And Tova Friedman is her name. If you're wondering, and you're wondering what I'm talking about in terms of TikTok, get onto the platform now and find Tova on it. It is worth your while. Tova, again, thank you very much. Thank you. The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan. Weekdays from four.
on News Talk.